Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look in verse 4 all the way down to verse 13. We're going to jump in and look at this last chapter of Philippians as we study Philippians over the last few weeks. And this will be our last. Uh, I, let me get a quick vote. I'm just curious because I feel this on my heart, but I'm, I'm just interested if this would be a subject that you feel like would be a blessing to you in understanding. And this was really born out of conversations, theological conversations that I've been having with my daughter. We, Because I'm playing mom, I'm in the car a lot with her, taking her to different you know, school functions and cheer and different things. And we're, so we're having some really deep, awesome theological conversations. And we got in a conversation about angels and demons. How many would like a good study about two, three, four weeks on angels and demons? Can I just see your hand? You think that would be something you'd be interested in? Good, good, good. And I've never taught on it here. I've never taught on that subject. And I, I began to just tell her, I said, you have a guardian angel, huh? I said, yeah, the Bible says the, 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 the angel of the Lord encamps around those who are heirs of righteousness, right? And there's obviously a lot of other scriptures. But I began to just explain the, the beauty of the gospel in that God has provided protection for us. He has provided his messengers, his, his angels to watch over us. And, of course, you've got the flip side of that the demonic side, and uh, it's important to know the enemy. It's important to know his, his schemes so that we are, are aware of them so we can fight against them. So look down here at Philippians 4, and we'll start that uh, next week's share. I encourage you to come bring something. But the week after that, we'll get into a good study on that subject. I really believe it will be enlightening uh, for you. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. You know, here as I've studied this, and I've studied for a couple weeks, Paul's in prison. And I, I, I almost envision him, and we have to do this sometimes too. He's saying that, and he may have looked up and looked around at his circumstances, which were bars. <laughs> There's actually a picture of the prison he was at in Rome. I used to have it hanging in my office at the church I came from. Uh, somebody visited Rome and got it, brought it back as a gift to me. And uh, it, it's very small, and you can look it up yourself. But there are they know where Paul was kept while he was there. And uh, I imagine him looking up. And, and almost like, like the enemy does to all of us. What do you have to rejoice about? Look, at, look, look where you are. And here it is. He said again, again I say it, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. Father, for these next few minutes... I pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to minister to the hearts of the people. Help me, as always, minister through the power of the Holy Spirit and not of myself, Lord, tonight. In Jesus' holy name. Philippians, as I've mentioned, 
is a book that is about really two things. If, if you go all the way through it, there's two main themes that we see that I've brought up. But here at the end, we see how our minds can be affected by things that come against us. Because that's really what he starts to delve into here at the end of Philippians chapter 4. And there's two main themes. One, you see it concurrently all throughout this book. And this, this book is really a book where I call it a bumper sticker book because we get a lot of our most famous scriptures that we've learned when we're little. I know our kids upstairs, it blesses me so much to hear them quote Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Very first scripture I had my own kids learn when they were little. And it's in their heart and I believe God brings those things to our hearts at different times and seasons. But um, one of the main themes is joy. But the other theme, because he says in the beginning, as I, as I read, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. And the other theme that we see is the idea of the mind. Everybody say mind. mind. Many different words here all throughout Philippians. But then when we get down here, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The people on the earth mind earthly things. So the emphasis of the book is Paul trying to get the Philippian church that in the joy that you have, let your mind be focused on the things above, not on the things below. Let your mind, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And as you read through the book, when you come to the end and hopefully carrying anything out of this study, I hope that you carry with you this, how to be a joyful Christian even in spite of the circumstances you're facing. How to have the joy of the Lord, because the joy is the, the Lord is truly our strength. And one of the things I began to think about uh, in relation to this is Paul is saying very clearly here in the book of Philippians at the end, he's saying, look, I know what it's like to have a lot and to have excess and to be doing good. And I know what it's like to be on the other end of that spectrum and to not be doing so well. I know what it's like to be in lack, and I know what it's like to abound. I know what it's like to be on the mountaintop, and I know what it's like to be down in the valley. And one of the first things that we know from Paul's life, of course, as you study it, is he had a lot of incredible mountaintop experiences, and he had a lot of instances where he was whipped, he was jailed, he was beaten, he was stoned, he was come against by religious people within the church that would infiltrate the church after he would plant it and begin to take people away from the true gospel of Christ into error. And he dealt with all these things, but we see in the life of Paul that he truly had a true joy about him because his mind wouldn't get caught up in his circumstances. He would keep his mind focused on the things above. And that's important to understand. We are made up of a body, soul, and spirit. If you didn't know that, that is what you are created by God. Now, of course, we know this scripturally and theologically. When you're born, you're born into sin. So our spirit that was that, that when man fell, of course, that part of it, that connection with God, that place where we commune with him as our spirit. So you must be born again. Amen. And when you're born again, your spirit comes alive. And but you still have a body, right? You still have a soul, which your soul is made up of your mind, your will and your emotions. So when Paul is giving this in Philippians four from verse four all the way down that we just read down around 13, He's explaining somebody that's not allowing the enemy's attacks to come in and affect 
his spirit and get him to a place of hopelessness and get him to a place of giving up and get him to get him to a place where he's going to throw in the towel. Because when you understand that you're made up of a body, soul and spirit. And one of the main things that we see is all throughout this, he's talking about the, the situations that were in front of him in chapter one. He let me let me make sure I get this right because I had it written down. In chapter one, he talked about the worry that comes when people come against you, right? Then he talked about things that happen or things that you may lack will come against you. And then he goes on in each chapter, he's dealing with something that would have caused worry and fear and fret. And he was teaching the people of how you can have a joy. Everybody say the secret. My title tonight for my message and my teaching is the secret because he says right there in the in, in the scriptures that I have learned a secret of how to have this joy and the peace that I'm talking about in spite of my circumstances. Because, I don't know if you know this or not, but there are a lot of ups and downs in life. Amen? Can anybody testify to that? It's like our wedding vows, right? Is anybody in here, you know, you married, wave, wave your hand at me. So we got some married people. You stood at an altar and gave wedding vows, right? What did you say? You said, for better or for worse... For richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, till death do we part. Thank you, George. You could probably do a wedding sermon. That was excellent. I had to, George, I had to rehearse those in my mind when I'm standing by a bed holding a bucket. Amen? Everybody hear me? Because we all know this. It's like, I'll go for the richer part, but the poor... Young people, listen to me in here for just a second. I know you're in here tonight and because uh, our youth pastor got called away tonight. And, uh, but listen to me for just a second because this is so important. There is something about walking all, through all those seasons of life when you don't have a whole lot and you do have a lot and you walk through seasons of life where everything's going really well and that binds you together. But there's also something that really binds you together of walking through the difficulties. As, as a couple, does anybody testify to that? Young people listen to him. You find somebody that will stick with you no matter what. You stick with them and they stick with you. And there's something. My grandfather taught me this before I was ever married. And he just looked so seriously at me and he said, he, he said, Jason, you know, when you do get married, if the Lord wills and you get married at some point, there's going to be a lot of difficulties. But there will be something you allow God to do to bind your heart so beautifully together that it will be something nothing could break apart. Amen. But my point is this, just the same way that we have wedding vows and we understand in life, we give those vows as ministers because we're looking at a young couple usually, unless you're older and got remarried or something, but you're looking at a young couple that you know is going to ride the roller coaster, right? And our spiritual lives, and Paul is saying this here in Philippians chapter 4, all through the first three chapters, but especially the fourth He's saying to him, guys, I've been on that roller coaster. I've had my highs and I've had my lows. And even in Paul's life, as you studied, you begin to understand, Paul, Paul, would, Paul would preach to a group of people, see revival, see healing, see the devil cast out, see all these you know, people get saved. And literally right next to that, he would walk out of there and he would make people so angry, he may get stoned an hour later walking down the street. So we're talking about somebody that is an expert on having joy and being able to rejoice no matter what the circumstance is. Amen? Amen. There may be days when we have to wrestle with sickness. There may be days when we get to celebrate the fact that it's been a long time since we needed to see a doctor. 
The reality is that there will be highs and there will be lows. There will be good days and there will be difficult days. There will be times. And he says in in verse 12, as we've already referenced, and, and he says, rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord always. And there's a secret. So let me give you a few secrets tonight by way of studying these scriptures of what can help us when we're faced with difficulties, when we're faced with the highs and the lows. Number one, understand how you were created and where worry and anxiety are coming from. If you understand how you're created, and I already mentioned it, but let me say it again, you're created as a body, soul, and spirit. So as a, when you have a physical body, and, and I hope this doesn't happen to anybody, but you break your arm. You break your arm, you can do what? You go to the doctor, you know the source of the pain, you know the source of the, the difficulty, and you break it, you go get it fixed. The difficulty about fear, worry, anxiety, and all the things the enemy tries to introduce in our life, and it's the reason that he said, look, if there's anything praiseworthy, if there's anything beautiful, if there's anything that's think and focus on these things above and not the things below, because when we understand where these things originate from, they make it a lot easier to come against with the spirit of God, with the weapons of our warfare, because the enemy is always coming from the outside trying to get in. He's not on the inside trying to get out. At least I hope he's not tonight. If you are, you come to the altar. But the reason that's important is because God taught us very clearly that we have a shield of faith. We have tools. We have things that we... So the enemy is firing darts out here. And one of the secrets of understanding is when the enemy can get from the outside and impact you in the area of your soul. Because, listen to me, when your spirit's born again, Jesus related it like this. He says it's like a house that's been swept clean and put in order. Then you need to be filled with the Spirit of God. You need to begin to be discipled by the... You need to fill your house, your spiritual new house, new creation, with the Word of God, with fellowship with other believers, with people who are heading in the same direction you are. So He can't get at that. What He can get at is your soul. The issue is that even if your soul is under attack and you begin to think thoughts that aren't of God and you begin to worry about things that the enemy is trying to introduce into your life, here's what can actually happen. You can actually affect your physical body. Amen? You know, we live in a day and age, y'all, where it's almost, a, it's, almost like a, it's almost like a badge of honor to say, yes, I'm so exhausted that I can barely function. No, that's not God. It's not. Uh, Look, I've got three ulcers. Look how hard I work, you know. Listen, it's not about what you're eating tonight, perhaps. It's about what's eating you from the inside out. And the enemy comes like that. He comes towards us and he's using his schemes. He's using his tactics. He's using even other people sometimes to come against us. So that, And Paul knew this. Paul loved the Philippian church evidently. You know, I loved all the churches he planted, I'm sure. But he had real, true, genuine friendships and relationships in this church that, I mean, you could just sense the joy as you read these pages. Man, I love you guys, and I want to see you, I want to see you in a healthy place spiritually, and that's why he brings these things out. And one of the main things that comes against all of this is just simple worry. Amen? Yeah. Worry is basically, listen, worry is a spiritual problem. You may tag it as a... You may tag it off as a, as a problem that originates in your spirit or even externally, but it's not. Worry is a spiritual problem. And the reason that I say that tonight, and this is hard. Everybody say, this is hard. This is hard. It is hard not to worry about things sometimes. 
It really is. It's very difficult. But let me tell you this, and the reason I say it's a spiritual problem, because if God himself said to us over and over and over and over, do not worry. Don't do it. That's what he's saying. It, it, so it becomes a spiritual problem that affects, then it, then it does work inside out. Then it, worry just is something that we can rehearse things over and over and over and again in our mind. Here's why this is important. If you know which direction it's coming from, you can fight it with the weapons God has provided, right? Secret number two tonight. When you can't get your mind to calm down, remind yourself that God is a deliverer. <laughs> Amen. He's saying in these scriptures, he's saying to them, look, I know that things will, in life will come against you. I know there will be highs and I know there will be lows. I know there will be good times and I know there will be bad times. But he's telling them, rejoice in the Lord. Again, sometimes you just got to tell yourself that I'm not going to look at the circumstance. I'm going to begin to focus on God and begin to rejoice. And again, I say rejoice And he tells them this over and over and over again. I thought of one particular place that my mind went to when I was studying this. is the story of Elijah. And the story of Elijah is one that is such such a mountaintop, incredible experience that was juxtaposed immediately almost with an experience where he... See, God was providing protection. God was providing a plan. God was providing his power. God was providing everything Elijah needed because, as you know, the story, and I won't talk about all of it, but just a recap, we know, you know, Elijah says, okay, the prophets of Baal, you guys come out up on the mountain, all of Israel gathers around, and they say this, we're going to show who the true God is. And all these prophets gather around, and you know the story, he calls down fire from heaven, it comes down and it consumes the the sacrifice and literally says it lapped up even the water. Elijah was so bold in who he knew his God was, and he knew his God was a deliverer. He knew he was walking in the plan and the purpose of God. And when you're walking in the plan and purpose of God, it doesn't mean things aren't going to come against you. You just can't let them get on the inside. And he's looking, at, he's looking at this great victory. He goes and he prays and, and, and you know, a, a cloud the size of a man's hand, all these things. And it's amazing because in that story, he goes into and sees Jezebel and Ahab. And one word from every 800 and some prophets of Baal fall in one word over here. In other words, he got attacked with, wait, what did she say? I'm going to kill you. It was, wait, it was, here, here's my point. The reason I say one of the secrets is understanding God as a deliverer is if in that moment he would have chosen God's word and God's truth in reminding himself that God had protected before. God had come through just right here previously. He is a come through God, y'all. If he would have stopped And not let fear take over in that moment and worry take over in that moment. Because when fear and worry took over, what did he do? He ran and he began to hide himself. He began to run from the issue instead of remembering who his God is. And you see what I just talked about in the first point tonight take over because those were attacking his soul. It was attacking his mind. It was attacking his will. He chose to run. It was attacking his emotional side of things. But I want to point something out to you, something I've never seen before. And it's, it's amazing and it's awesome. 
This is how worry works against us. And this is why Paul is saying in here, I know how to abase and I know how to abound. I know that when things come against me and things aren't going well, I know the secret. The secret is get with God, rejoice, begin to lift up your prayer and thanksgiving to God and let the worry and let the care. There are things that face us that really are big and worrisome, but it says, let your supplication, your request be known to God with thanksgiving and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart And it will begin to guard your mind. And literally the word and verbiage there in the Greek is like a sentry set up. And my whole point is we're made up of a body, soul, and spirit. So what is it that's guarding our soul where we get so attacked in? It is the peace of God. And the peace of God, think about this for a second. What was he worried about when he ran from Jezebel and Ahab? He was worried about dying, right? It never dawned on me that the very thing he was so afraid of It never even happened. (laughs) Listen to me. What happened to Elijah? He was taken up with a chariot and carried into heaven. It never came to pass. Most of the things you're worried about sitting here right now will never come to pass because you have a God who's a deliverer. And I got news for the rest of us who are walking through a lot of stuff. If you do, God's going to carry you through. Because a secret, he said, I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret that when I'm, when I'm abased and when I abound, when I have a lot and when I have very little, when I'm doing really well and everybody's healthy, I'm, I'm doing good. But when I'm walking through a season where I don't feel so good and i got things coming against me and all these things are going, he said, I found a secret. And it's rejoicing in the Lord. I, I've done it. I did it this, this afternoon. I, getting ready to come here and I just began to thank God for all that I do have, not what I don't. <laughs> began to just thank God for the things that He has placed and the people He has placed in my life and the, the blessings that He's given me. And guess what? My soul began to be affected. It did. Scripture says that, Oh soul, why are you so downcast within me? I shall yet hope in the Lord. Worry is the one thing that the enemy would love to bring into fear and worry. Those are all tactics and fiery darts of the enemy that he brings. And Paul is just telling the Philippian, Philippian church here, guys, you can have a shield. You can have that sentry. You can have that peace that passes understanding that literally stands as a guard. How many say I could just use some peace tonight? Amen. Me too. Me too. Can I tell you, it's not a what, it's a who. That's what Paul says, with prayer and supplication. I I studied that a long time ago. I caught on pretty quickly. I caught on to this really quickly. Because I asked my grandfather, I said, isn't prayer asking God for things? It seems to me like prayer is different than just asking Him. And his eyes lit up and he said, you're on to something there. You're on to something. We think prayer is just coming to God and God, I need more peace. Prayer is communing with God. Prayer is getting close to God. Whatever may be hindering you from that, whatever may be standing in the way, whatever the enemy is trying to worry you and fret you out. And listen to me, Paul, when you read about his life over a broad length of time, you're talking to an expert of of a person who knew how to, to be at the high place and at the low place. And I'm telling you, a very, very strong indicator of spiritual maturity. Because new believers are up and down, Amen. They just are. That's just a fact. It's, it's a fact. 
is just it's, it's being able to find a place of trust in God. And that level place, it doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean things won't come. It means when they come, you don't react to it, you respond to it. And when you're responding to it, you're responding by getting with God first, understanding and, and evaluating where is this coming from, getting a strategy from the Lord and begin to think with thanksgiving. That's the other beautiful part. That's where, that's, that's, that, that is the secret sauce I tell you that Paul found out right there. How can you give thanksgiving sitting in a jail cell already having been beaten on your back? How? Because his faith wasn't in anything temporary. It was in God. It was in, it was in who he was. So a very real secret is understanding how these things affect us from a body, soul, and spirit way. But it also is understanding that the devil has a very simple yet effective plan. He is always trying to get you to believe the worst is going to happen. Amen? That's, that's what he did with Elijah. They're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. I'm going to run. And then he gets into a deep depression. He ends up in the cave. The beautiful part of that story is God had never left him. Never. Because when he comes to him, he says, what are you doing here? I think sometimes I'm like, what are you doing here? Haven't you? He doesn't. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He is a deliverer. That's who He is, church. And that should give our hearts such a peace no matter what circumstance and storm that we're going through. He tells them, rejoice, give thanks, ask, and peace guards us like a sentry set up over our hearts. And listen to me tonight. What grows in that atmosphere? Your faith grows. Paul had such a level of faith that he knew that he could tell them with confidence when you really lay things before God. You don't have to continually pick them up again and again and again. How many lay things before God do you go back and check? You need help? You need some help? God will put you in such a place of testing that all you have sometimes is just your faith deep down on the inside. One scripture in Acts says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. I thought, why at night? So this is something that Paul was going through. Paul was going through a difficult time, and it's related in the book of Acts. And he says, one night, God visits him and gives him a vision. And why at night? Because that's when most of our fears manifest, amen? I think there's more to it than he comes at night. He comes in that dark season. He comes in the the dark place. You want to read a great book. It's called The Dark Night of the Soul. But be mature when you read it. Because it's something that I think we all inevitably go through where at times we just kind of look around. And Paul, I believe, was in such a place here in Acts where you start to say, God, uh, are you for me? You're sure you're for me. I know the scripture says that, but God, are you sure? There's something so deep of the testing that happens sometimes in our life. But I want to tell you, there is an other side of that. And the other side of that is being able to be like Paul and not write a book of the Bible, of course, but be able to look at somebody else that's walking through something and being able to tell them very confidently, God is a deliverer. Everybody say that, God's a deliverer. Because I'll tell you this, and we all know this, fear is an internal thing that will really mess you up. It really will. It's, it's again, it's on, the, it's on the inside and it distri- tries to get in there, fear and worry and fretting and all these things. Tries to get in there and it tries to trip us up. He says this. 
to Paul in verse 9. He says, do not be afraid. But God doesn't stop there. He says, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. Listen to me tonight. The word of God in a believer's mouth is a vaccine for fear and worry. You may not feel like it. You may not want to. You may not want to. You may not feel like it in the moment, but listen to me. The enemy is trying to silence your voice for the kingdom of God, and you can't let him. Amen? Amen. You can't. Because our voice, our word, and sometimes you just, you just got, I I encourage you this. When you're going through something, get radical and and begin to just lift up your voice and begin to declare God's word. Begin to declare who he is. What are some of the, I was thinking of some of the things we could guard against. Some of the, just a, just a few short things before we end tonight. When Paul's talking about rejoicing and talking about having peace in your heart, talking about abounding and abase and lack and worry and all these different types of things. Here's one. A lot of you sitting in here have, and and this was Elijah, and this was Paul. Paul, that we just talked about, God visits him in a vision. He says, keep on speaking what I've told you to speak. Because when you're walking in the will of God, there's a place so strong like Mount Zion that you can stand on You can stand on it, church. You can stand on His Word. But a lot of us have fear of the future. Am I the only one sometimes that just says, God, what's going to happen in the future? I have fear of the future for our country. Yes, absolutely. When you have kids and teenagers and even on down, I know there's a lot of kids in here tonight. When you're facing that and you're looking at that, there's a fear of the future. So here's what the enemy does, and the reason it's, it's deadly to us as believers, because the enemy says this, you know, it's, it's just getting so bad, why even try? Why, why even try to win people to Christ? Why even serve in your church? Why even do these things? He's saying a fear of the future. Here's why we can be confident in the, in the future here tonight, church, because God's word does not change. Even in the darkest of times, even in the most difficult of seasons, if anything, it shines brighter and brighter because of the darkness, because God's word is settled, it says, forever in the heavenlies. God's word does not change. Jeremiah 29, 11, the antidote, the shield that will protect your mind, will, and emotions from the fear, anxiety, worry, and the junk that the enemy's shooting at you even maybe right now is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you to give you a hope and to give you a future. It doesn't matter how dark it may look. God has promises that we can claim and begin to declare them out of your mouth. God, I don't care what it looks like. You have given me a hope and you have given me a future. Simply put, you can come against that because Jesus has better days ahead for you. He has a plan. Listen, I came up tonight to stir up a little faith, hope, and love like Paul was trying to do here at the end of of Philippians. It's just let that stir up in you. You don't have to fear your future. Because God is already in your future. Listen, it's more about just ultimately getting to heaven. It's God wants to protect you, watch over you, and teach you and lead you now into the future that He has for you. He's not only going to lead you there. This should encourage you tonight. Jason, let me encourage you. God is already planning your future right now. And you have to be obedient 
So God's not afraid of your future because he's already there planning it. And you be obedient and walk in his word, walk in his promises, walk in that. And that is a guard. That is a peace that comes over your heart. God, I don't have to wake up in the morning and fear what's going to happen next week because you're already in my tomorrow. Psalm 27, David said it like this. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That is a promise about your future. It's a promise from the word of God that we could possibly lose heart unless we stop and believe and rehearse God's promises that we would see the goodness of God in your situation. The goodness of God in your physical body, Lupita. The healing of God in the situation that you're in. The, 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 the beauty of God in your present and in your future. But it's hard to weigh it, isn't it? Can I tell you what I found? Right above God's waiting room that I've been put in many times. Anybody else been put in God's waiting room? There's a sign above it if you'll look. And the sign says, be still and know that I am. God. We not only fear the future, but if you're like me at different times in my life, I've had fear of failure. Anybody else? Absolutely. That's just simply saying, what if it doesn't work? (laughs) What if I prayed so hard and this doesn't come through? But what if it does? But what if it does? What if you never experience everything God has for you to walk in because you're just afraid of falling on your face? I want to release you tonight in the name of the Lord, not to fear failure or not to fear fear your future because all those things are things that God has good things for you in. But you've got to step out in faith sometimes upon the Word of God, not sit back passive and wait for something to happen. Listen, get the Word of God, pray it, supplication, prayer, thanksgiving, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard you from fearing your future and fearing failure. Fearing those things. I mean, think of all the different types of people that have failed in their lives, but they just kept getting back up. Jason, that's the key. You just keep getting back up. You just keep getting back up. I mean, think about it. Thomas Edison was kicked out of school. You know what they told him? You're too slow to learn. Thomas Edison. You're not smart enough. And I know everybody knows, you know, especially with younger people in here, Michael Jordan. Got cut his freshman year of high school. Michael Jordan got cut from a basketball team. And some of you are so... Here's my point. When we're a body, soul, and spirit, where the enemy is going to come and infiltrate, he may attack your physical body. You may be harboring things on the inside that are affecting your physical body. But what these things do, the fear of man brings a snare. Right? And if you're in a snare, the interesting thing about that word snare in the Bible... And, and we're moving along. We're going to finish here in just a minute. That snare, literally, here's what it does. It grabs a hold of you. So fear, worry, anxiety, fear of the future, fear of failure, fear, fear, fear. All these things that try to manifest in us, it grabs a hold of you like a snare. And here's what it does. It keeps you, a snare keeps you from moving forward and it even keeps you from moving backwards. 
And what you're doing is you're snared by something of the enemy. And here's, here's, here's the worst part. You're seeing everybody else get theirs. You're seeing everybody else blessed. You're seeing everybody else with joy. But I want to tell you something. There's people that walked in this room tonight that have no reason in the natural to lift their voice to God and give Him praise. But yet they're here with their hands lifted high. Because your faith isn't in what's in front of you. Your faith is who's above you. Come on, somebody. It's in a God who has your, your future in store. Listen, I want you to encourage you. If you have fear of failure, step out and find out. There's one thing about this church that I never want to get to heaven. And, and God look at me and say, I had so much more for you as Christian Center Church. Jason, I had so much more for you as a pastor in your ministry. I had so much more for you and your family. God, I was afraid. I don't think that's going to fly. If God's called you to it, do it. Thank you. Man, that's good. Come on. Come on. That's like a hashtag right there. Because it's true. The fear of the enemy. Some of you are afraid, so afraid of what the enemy might do, you're afraid of what God can do tonight. I'll say it again. Some of you are so afraid of what the enemy might do, you're afraid of what God will do. Listen, you don't have to fear the enemy because your enemy is already a defeated foe. Luke 10 verse 19, Jesus said this to his body, he, to his believers, to his blood-bought, spirit-filled, faith-filled people. He said, I have given you authority. The authority is upon you tonight. And the enemy has been defeated. The heel of Jesus crushed the head of the devil. And he is for you and not against you. Amen? Stand up with me tonight. The secret, I'm telling you, the secret is, is identifying and understanding where it's coming from. God will give you a revelation of that. The secret is, like Paul said, is to begin. And when I, when I say prayer is getting in the presence of God, because you're in the presence of the one that has a final decision on everything. Amen. And then it talks about supplication, but your supplication, let me, let me encourage you. Get a word from God. Not just, not just the word. Get a word that the Holy Spirit absolutely lights your soul on fire with. And you write it and put it up on the mirror where you get ready every morning and you rehearse it in your heart and you listen to it in your car and you begin to declare that word of God because God's word does not return void. We don't have to fear our future. We don't have to fear failure. We don't have to fear enemy. And I'm telling you, surely there is no fear of man in the in the body of Christ, even though things all around are going you know, we see it and it's hard, inflation, you know, recession, all these things that they talk about. It could be easy to look around and get fearful about our future. But the church of Jesus Christ stands on God's word. And you can begin to declare that word out of your mouth. Amen. We have a sword. We've got a shield. we got armor. We have those things that will help us. So the secret is in your mouth. Rejoice, pray, ask, and let the peace of God rule. And then quickly, I have one more, but there's nothing below it because I was just going to talk about this at the end. The secret also in that scripture, he says, I have learned how to be content. Everybody say content. Content. Listen to me for just a minute. We're going to pray and close. 
Discontentment is an enemy of faith. It really is. One, one of the most powerful things that was said to me was just a few years ago by my pastor. I was talking to him, and we were just talking. It was actually right, it was in January, and I came here in April. So I got called probably a week after this. And I knew some difficulties going on in his life. He knew all the difficulties going on in my life at that time. And we're just back and forth talking and praying for each other. And just encourage. we're sitting in the truck right outside the office doors of the church. And it struck me so, so much because he said, he looked at me with all sincerity, even all this going on. He just looked at me and he said, and Jason, I'm so content. That's a beautiful place to be. It is. It's such a beautiful place. But God has given us the secrets. He's given us, he's given us the closeness to Him to just be... Because discontentment, discontentment is an enemy of your faith. It will rob from you. When we just don't step back. And that's why Thanksgiving in this Scripture is so important. Because when I, this afternoon, when I began to just thank God for what I do have, thank God for you, I thank God for five minutes about the church He's placed me in. I love you. I'm so proud to be your pastor, and I'm proud to be here with you and what God is doing in our church. The best days of Christian Center Church are just getting started. But don't think the enemy doesn't see that either. My pastor reminded me here just a, a few days ago. He said, the enemy's listening to you. He can't read your mind. I don't believe that. And listen to me. If you're saying all the time, well, I'm just getting in and I'm just, I got, uh, he hears it and he's going to send an attack that's in alignment with what you're speaking out of your mouth. I'm telling you the truth of God's word that most of you aren't allowing faith to come out. You're allowing discontentment to come out about all the things that didn't, you thought didn't work out. But none of that's what happens with God because he works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Thank you, Lord. Let's lift our hands. Father, we begin to declare the Word of God from the mouth of saints of God in this house. Father, we're blood-bought, we're spirit-filled, and yea, though we may be on that roller coaster and we feel like we're flying downhill at 120 miles per hour heading for the bottom, Father, we just declare tonight that you are a delivering God that you are a healing God, that you are a faithful God, that you will never leave us and you will never forsake us, that you protect us, you empower us, you live on the inside of us tonight, Father God. So Lord, we pray, God, I pray this. Listen to me, this is going to come on some of you that have been just battling and you've been battling. Father, I pray the peace that passes. We don't have to figure it out. We don't, I want you to hear this from the Spirit of the Lord right now. You think you've got to figure it out and fix it. God says it's going to, it's going to go beyond your understanding. You, you, thought, you thought you knew how He was going to work it out and come through for you. And God says, don't worry about it. Just let the peace of God guard your heart and your mind. Because church, that is the battle area. So Father, we release and surrender our hearts to You afresh and anew. Lord, I gave You my heart 25 years ago. But right now in this moment, I give it to You again. Lord, there's stuff in there that I know doesn't belong and there's rooms in my heart still that I haven't opened and let you full access to. God, I I surrender it to you right now. Father, for our minds, I pray for the minds of the people here tonight that are under bombardment from the enemy, the lies, the lies, the vile lies. Some of you have literally demons shooting arrows of lies directly at you. And listen, they found their place. Lord, we pluck those out right now in Jesus' name. 
And God, I pray the peace. The peace that passes all understanding would guard their hearts like a sentry, like a guard, that peace. Father, we pray that we wouldn't disregard or lose our peace, but that it would guard everything that you have placed within our hearts, that our future is secure no matter what because of your blood. Our future is secure because of your promises. God, even stepping out in faith into that thing that you've called us to, it may be scary, but God, we bind fear of failure right now in Jesus' name. And God, ultimately, for each and every person in here, Lord, we do not come against the enemy in our own power. We come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you said, I have given all authority to you, my church, my bride, my people, So, Lord, as we come together in unity, may we raise up and defeat every scheme, every lie, and every evil spirit, and every Jezebel that rises up against. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Lord, we lift up our voice to you right now in this moment. And God, we just speak that peace right now in this moment. Holy Spirit of God, blow fresh right now. Just as... Lord, just even as those air conditioners were blown across this room, let something supernatural blow across each heart. Those who have feared, God, let fear go in Jesus' name and let faith rise. God, I pray for contentment in my heart and the heart of this church that we would just give you thanks for what we do have tonight. Lord, we focus on that and we know that you are coming through for every hope and every need that we may encounter, Father. I want to leave you with the scripture. Come to my mind right now in this moment. Consider the birds. God feeds them. I think sometimes a bird sits in the tree and looks at us sitting on our back porches worrying about everything. And they look at each other and say, what's wrong with these people? They must not have a heavenly father like we do because our bellies are full. And the sun is shining. And I'm sitting in a tree enjoying the company of this other bird. Listen to me, it's that, it's that simple. Lilies of the field don't toil nor spin, but yet Solomon in all of his glory wasn't arrayed like one of these. How much more worth do you have right here tonight? Jesus loves you. You have more worth in your pinky finger than what you could ever imagine to God because he paid a high price for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can we just put our hands together? Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Hallelujah. Let me bless you as we go. Father, I pray that this congregation will be blessed as they come in and blessed as they go out, that they will be blessed in their work and blessed in their homes. Watch over our kids. Watch over, protect. Father, we pray for our fall festival Saturday night, that protection would be over this house. Your angels would be surrounded. And that, God, ultimately, we would be able to sow the seed of the love and peace that we're talking about tonight would be tangible as they step on this property. May it be a supernatural night of joy, fellowship, and fun, Lord. We know that those things are important, too. And we ask you to be here with us and be with us as we go from here. May we never depart from your holy presence in Jesus' name. Love you all. See you Saturday if you're able. If not, we'll see you Sunday morning.